and welcome back to Poldark Podcast, a podcast dedicated to everything Poldark. And we are your hosts. My name is Rita. I live in England. I tumble on Princess of Poldark and tweet at Rita Bites. Hi everyone. I'm Delenda. I live in France. I blog on Tumblr at Britishly So and tweet at Delenda Dia. And I'm Michelle. I live in the States. I blog at Poldark Muses and you can find me on Twitter at Musings. Season three is finally here. Hooray! <laughs> Uh, if you're joining us for the first time, uh, welcome. Uh, we're glad you're here. Uh, we will release a weekly podcast throughout the season as it airs on the BBC. We'll talk about our first thoughts on the episodes, get into a bit of analysis, and answer your burning questions on how the season is shaping up. Now, if you're going to wait until the show airs in the U.S. in October, it's time for you to turn off your podcast player and just back away, because we will be talking all kinds of spoiler stuff. Uh, we'll be back in eight weeks with more unspoilery podcast discussions then. So, now that the coast is clear, people, settle in, because we've got a lot to discuss. So we'll start with the episode description. The episode began with a very heavily pregnant Elizabeth riding a horse that's careening over the Cornish cliffs. Ross, of course, just happens to be around, as he always is, to save her with the help of some really terrible CGI. <laughs> Elizabeth is not remotely thankful she and George tell him to leave them the hell alone. Apparently, this is in a long list of Daredevil activities she's been doing, which is incredibly suspicious. Hmm. Cut to Demerza and Ross. During the time jump, Ross has apparently been keeping himself busy, much to the annoyance of Demerza, who fears he's just trying to keep his mind occupied. Or they just had a whole bunch of stuff to do around the place, but okay, let's go with that. Jeffrey Charles has grown three feet and seven years in the span of Elizabeth's pregnancy, and he is now a sassy mother ever, talking back to George and trying to insert himself into his Uncle Ross's life. This included doing some mining, which is incredibly dangerous. What the fuck, Ross? Uh, naturally, this pisses off George. Not the fact that it was dangerous. I have a feeling he wouldn't mind if Jeffrey Charles followed in his late father's footsteps in the mine. <laughs> uh, but it pisses him off enough that he starts planning on shipping the kid off to Harrow again. But his softly, softly approach includes hiring Jeffrey Charles a new governess in the form of Elizabeth's cousin Morwenna in the hopes that she will provide a buffer between the creepy closeness of Elizabeth and Geoffrey Charles. And how can I applaud an arrangement in which I am no longer the major influence in my child's life? Norma Bates vibes for days! So weird! Caroline has been nursing her dying uncle violently. He expresses her wish to see her safely married before he dies. Ooh. Luckily for him, Caroline's fairy godmothers in the form of Romelza, are on the case. <laughs> I just pictured Ross. I just pictured Ross with wings. With fairy wings. Yeah. Fairy wings. He'd be really cute. And a wand. Oh, God. That's just, that's just bad. Sorry. Okay. Demelza's father is dying. Ain't nobody sad about that. And he sends word asking for her to visit before he dies. She is naturally dubious because he's a sack of shit, but she ends up going. 
Tom Khan is still super methody and concerned about her soul. Basically, this is just a convenient way of introducing Demelza's brother, Sam and Drake. Welcome aboard, guys. Welcome. Hi! Meanwhile, George opens a bank. And at the same time, there is still a war in France. And also, Ross has more money. We know all of this because Pasco, the king of exposition, shows up for one scene and then vanishes again. Thank you, Pasco. In the meantime, Caroline sneaks off to a church with Demelza. And who is waiting for them? Dwight and Ross, of course. I guess he was on leave and uses it to get a quickie wedding with his girl in. This is all witnessed by mm. Jeffrey Charles, of course. Dun, dun, dun. Meanwhile, Elizabeth starts having labor pains. So she does what any, quote, sensible, end quote, person does and fakes a fall. It's pretty impressive. There's vase smashing and screaming involved. George is, is convinced anyway and sends away for the resident medicinal hacks who are both of course conveniently unavailable jeffrey charles who as you'll remember spied dwight ennis over by the church sends word to nampara which brings our newlyweds wedding night to a screeching halt good thing they've got the preliminaries over with already (laughs) bow chicka wow (laughs) elizabeth has gone into quote early labor She gives birth under a, quote, black moon, which apparently shows up as being red, but whatevs. And absolutely every character feels the need to comment on the spookiness pervading Cornwall. What is that? At the edge of the moon. is it? A black moon. It is a bad omen, mark my words. What do it mean? It is the coming of the shadow of death. Dwight finds out that Ray is dying. That's where Choke is. So of course he's in the process of killing Ray because hack. And sends a note to Caroline who rushes back in time to say goodbye. And I should not have prevented you from doing so. Can you ever forgive me? Uncle Ray, what if I told you there was nothing to forgive? She shows him the ring, and he happily kisses her hand, and then abruptly dies, possibly from happiness. Sad violins play. Demelza is like the only person woke enough to Elizabeth's ways to question the timing of the birth. You think it an accident, then? boy's letter said so. Yet why would Elizabeth fall down the stairs? Which jump-starts some common sense slowly receding into Ross's mind. He starts processing the fact that the baby might be his and decides to become a stalker. Creeping up on Trenwith and staring through the window and he watches as George presents his newborn son to everyone in the house. Aunt Agatha goes full-blown hocus-pocus and declares the child cursed, which gets her carried out of the room. Literally. Hilariously. Oh my god, poor <laughs> woman. Ross, Ross reenacts Bed on Me from High School Musical on the beach. <laughs> While doing so, he must come to some kind of decision, because the next morning he goes to meet George and proposes a bargain. If George looks after Aunt Agatha and Geoffrey Charles, Ross says he will step out of George's life forever. 
The episode ends how all good Poldark episodes should, with Ross and Demelza walking on the beach together. She tells him she is pregnant again. He is like, bad timing, but I guess that's okay. Lol. Okay, dude, she didn't knock herself up. Are you so certain of me? Perhaps I don't deserve to be. No, you do not. But with you beside me, whatever life sends, we can face it. The end! That's it. Oh my god. <laughs> I know. Alright, so, uh, on with our discussion topics. Uh, the first question was, did you feel this was a good introduction to season three? Uh, to quote Ross, in a word, no. <laughs> um, my general impression is that uh, I thought it was a confusing introduction. Uh, I think Debbie Horsfield took too much liberty with the adaptation, and I feel like we lost the essence of the book with this with this first episode, at least. Yeah, I'm I'm really confused about where this is all headed because instead of laying the groundwork for the rest of the season, I felt like a lot of the storylines just abruptly stalled. It's all a mess to yeah. me. Yeah, uh, we had a couple of folks uh, provide us their feedback. Uh, Perry Cheesehead said, um, "I thought that what they did works for TV, even though they did veer from the books for it. I thought it was a good way to introduce the new characters, particularly Demelza's brothers, to the audience." I think it was better for the audience to get to know them in their own environment rather than just having them show up at Nampara like they did in the book. I, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, very good point. Um, Amanda Poldark said, in a shocking, surprising move <laughs> for our friend Amanda, uh, she thought this was an excellent introduction to Series 3. Um, here's what she says. Um, I say that because we've both agreed there's a strong chance we'll be butting heads, uh, all season long. Uh, love you, girl. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. She says, uh, I had a feeling some of the plots from Black Moon and the Four Swans were going to get combined or condensed somehow. Although Uncle Ray's death, Caroline and Dwight's wedding were taken from later in the series. I thought it was a clever way, clever the way it was integrated into the main, uh, early Black Moon plot. Uh, in terms of characterization, I came into this series hating Ross and wanting to murder him for what he did with Elizabeth, so I wasn't looking for an expanded Ross and Demelza reconciliation. I believe more fluffy Romelza scene, scenes would have seemed empty and hypocritical, considering we haven't seen Ross truly deal with the consequences of his actions. In a way, Ross is set up in this episode. Uh, it plays right into her theories that she submitted during the book club podcasts. God, I hope not. Um, he is not over Elizabeth <sighs> or his emotional connections with Trent with, with regards to Jeffrey Charles and Aunt Agatha. And Demelza senses that. I know many people aren't going to like uh, if Debbie Horsfield goes down the road of my theory, but that's how I always interpreted the books. I'm seeing a lot of anger disappointment from book fans on Tumblr, Twitter, and Facebook, but I definitely don't feel that way at all. I'm excited to see the rest of the season, actually, and in one sense, I'm finding myself favoring the show now over the books because of the sheer volume of bad reactions from book fans over the show plots. <laughs> Gee. <laughs> okay, um, I don't think fluffy Ramelza scenes would have come as hypocritical had we had a deeper reconciliatory conversation and not ended season two on this angsty hugging on the cliff. 
Um, but that being said, uh, I think it all comes down to Paul Dark being a BBC drama. Drama. Mm-hmm. So the network might want to shift, um, I think the network might want to shift some elements of the story to make it more compelling to the viewers and bring, uh, edge of your seat, uh, action, which I think is kind of unfair to the lovers of the book. Because, uh, as the readers, we wish to see an adaptation remain true to what, uh, we picture. Yeah, and especially after season one was so very true to the books. Mm. Uh, it's been kind of like we've seen a uh, slow degrading of the the closeness uh, as we've moved further into the, the show's books, or the, the adaptation. Uh, but, you know, um, I guess... We'll see how all this shakes out by episode uh, 3.08, but I'm thinking we might want to start that bail money GoFundMe uh, thing now. (laughs) Uh, All right, then. (laughs) Favorite scene. Uh, I think mine was the scene at Uncle Ray's deathbed, which absolutely broke my heart. Uh, it was beautifully performed, and I really hate the fact that Ray's dead because I loved his character so much. Um, favorite scene. Uh, I don't have a favorite scene, but I enjoyed the super quick <laughs> Carolite wedding um, simply because uh, it was the literal light in the middle of a very dark episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed that scene too. I also really loved <laughs> loved the deathbed scene with all the cards gathered around their father. I mean, it was incredibly moving, and I think one of the rare occasions where I thought they enhanced the book's storyline, just for a change, you really got a sense of the impact Tom Kahn had on shaping Sam as well, as well as a reminder of Demelza's really horrific childhood. Okay, your least favourite scene? I mean, I hated a lot of the episodes, so this is hard to narrow down. (laughs) I think the worst for me was the very first scene of the new season. I mean, I I checked my Twitter afterwards and five minutes into the episode I tweeted, I fucking hate this. <laughs> um, that horse stunt scene was just really, really badly filmed and shot. I think overly stylized and melodramatic. As soon as Ross approached the horse, it just calmed down instantly. What was that all about? And then they proceed to have, like, this really badly written argument where George is like, get away from my wife and unborn child. And I just thought it was very amateurish writing and just lacked any kind of subtlety. Touch anything of mine again. I mean, my God, the sheer misogynistic vibe of George's whole attitude makes me want to throw up. Miserable, pathetic little man who defines his self-worth in money, things, and people. Ouch! God, I hate him! I frickin' loathe George Warleggen. I really do. I really do. And another thing about that horseback riding scene and Elizabeth's baby bump and the corset that she was wearing, honestly, I think she would have probably just crushed the child with all of that jostling around and the pressure from the corset. But, you know... What do I know? Why would you even ride um, a horse when you're eight months pregnant? Or nine months pregnant. <laughs> yeah, nine months pregnant, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's trying to have the, the kid early because she's I don't, absolutely Like, people ride horses, but she was, like, right next to the fucking cliff. Like, there's no path there. There's no reason. I know. <sighs> anyway, 
<gasps> Speaking of the douchey war leggings, uh, Prairie Cheesehead said, uh, at Trenwith with Uncle Carrie was her least favorite scene. Oh, uh, I loved Uncle Carrie. Sexist douche canoe. Um, say what you want about Elizabeth, but she does not deserve being referred to as a brood mare. Nah, questionable. Uh, that remark just raised, <laughs> oh, damn. Uh, that remark just raised my hackles and ticked me off so much. I know he's been a sexist douche canoe in the past, especially referring to women as if they were livestock or horses. But in this episode, this was particularly bad. I wish Aunt Agatha would put a curse on him. My favorite line of the entire episode was when um, Carrie was like, why are these three men obsessed with Elizabeth? I knew! <laughs> what is, what is that so special girl? about her? I was like, that's true. Preach, dude. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good question, Carrie. <laughs> okay, uh, favorite new character and why? <clears throat> um, well, um, there wasn't much of him in the episode, but because I know how we all develop later in the book, I'm gonna have to say Sam. <laughs> he appears, um, yeah, he appears as dedicated to his religion as his father was. But what really endeared me in this episode was his clear dedication to family, and uh, yeah. He is my new bang. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag more Ross for me. <laughs> uh, my new favorite character was Jeffrey Charles. He's spiky, attitudinal, and loathes George. My kind of boy. Mm. Controversial opinion time. I really don't <laughs> like the kid playing Jeffrey Charles. I hate him so hard, you guys. Oh. <laughs> I mean, child actors always rub me the wrong way, but I'm really not enjoying this kid's performance. He seems like a lovely kid, but I found him really stiff and just, I think it's also the writing is really unrealistic for some of the things this kid is saying. I'm like, are you 45 Uh, and not 11? And I kind of (laughs) want Moena to like shove his smart ass off a cliff sometimes, to be honest. I'm just like, why are you so obsessed with like Uncle Ross and Dwight? Like, shut up. Go play tennis or something. Damn, girl. Um. Anyway, that wasn't the point. Obviously, I'm going to say my favorite is Sam. Tom York did not let me down. I had a fear he might come across really aggressively. But I think he infused every small line that he had with so much gentleness and compassion that I hope people will start to see him, what I see him in. I do. I do see what you, you see in him. <laughs> He's so sweet. Hashtag, I must need to clean off my glasses. <laughs> um, I have a feeling he's going to be much more fire and brimstone once they get settled near Nampara. Uh, one thing I did notice was how Drake basically told the lie when asking for directions to Nampara and Sam was all, but we already know where it is. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was cute. Like, yeah, I thought it was a, it was hilarious and a glimpse of how the differences between these two brothers will manifest themselves. Uh, so I thought that was that was really cute. And now I'm going to say something really shallow, um, but his nose and mouth really bother me. <laughs> don't kill me, Rita. How dare you? I don't know what it is. You're entitled to that strong opinion. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It just it just bugged me. But uh, anyway, oh. I'll I'll chill and we'll see how things go from there. <laughs> One thing that it's like neither of these guys look like Eleanor. It's ridiculous. They look more like Aiden Turner, I think. Yeah, they could be Aiden's brothers, especially because I'm so, I'm so familiar with her actual in real life brother who looks just like yes. a male version of her. And it's like, 
Why didn't mm-hmm. you hire him? I know. He's a nightmare. Especially for Drake. That would have been perfect. But anyway. Speaking of things that bugged you. Yes. It's time for stuff that bugged you. Um, Sweet Gardenette said, I was a little disappointed in the beginning after the way season two left us with Ross being sorry and speaking his undying love for Demelza. I was disappointed that there wasn't more interaction between them. Ladies, what do you think? Um, I was bugged by several things. First, the atmosphere, uh, the pointless additions, which did not serve the story at all. Um, yeah, because I feel like they wanted to get rid of lots of stuff, elements that were supposed to take place later in the book, just to focus on the juicy stuff. Um, I could make a list, but basically I was bothered by the continuing Elizabeth Ross drama. Praying right from the very first seconds. I mean, what? Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, because in the book, we really feel that Ross and Demelza are working on rebuilding their marriage, and we have that hopeful vibe. We feel it in the very first pages, whereas in this episode, it, it's as if Ross is still distant, as if the she will never come between us again speech never happened. Mm-hmm. We did not need this overdramatic opening with Ross coming to the rescue of Elizabeth. We did mm-hmm. not need Ross creeping over at Trenwith after she has given birth. We did not need Elizabeth giving birth to fear with Dwight and Caroline's wedding night. Yep. I mean, if Dwight, yes. if Dwight hadn't been back, like how, how would she have done? Like, would she have survived this? Because no choke, no behenna hired among the cast. So yeah. Guys, there was a moment where I thought she might die and I was going to be like, whoa, what? Is this the twist? (laughs) (laughs) Could be. (sighs) Okay. I think what fundamentally bothered me about this episode was not that things changed significantly from the novels, because I think the show's always taken liberties with the source material. This episode made me really confused. (laughs) I feel completely lost. I can't even begin to guess why these changes have happened, and that's what bothers me the most. And I feel like... This episode has significantly damaged the characterization and the future plotting of of the story and of this season. And usually I can see the payoff of these changes. But right now, I'm just at a complete loss. If they're trying to enhance the drama, making it super melodramatic, they're succeeding. But it's truly to the detriment of the overall quality of the show. Preach! Praise! Preach! Now I have a laundry list. Specifically what bothered me. I hated the direction. Um, The shots were overly constructed. The lighting was very, very artificial. The overexposure in the outdoor scenes with the lens flare gave it a really cheap looking vibe. Mm -hmm. I mean, previously the show has always attempted to have a very natural aesthetic. Very romantic and idealised. But during this, I felt like it looked like a completely different show. I never felt like they were faking the natural beauty of Cornwall previously. In this episode, it was just like, it could have been filmed everywhere, anywhere, and I'm just not a fan of that look. I mean, the editing and the pacing was incredibly choppy. The show has always been very slapdash and quick, but there was no natural progression in the storyline, no tension was really built, things would just randomly become like melodramatic and then very calm again and it just seemed to start and end abruptly if you try to describe the story of this episode 50,000 things happened but it didn't really have a narrative 
And they seem to be going with this whole Elizabeth is purposefully hiding the paternity from George angle, which is fine in theory, but she's going to such an extreme length here that it's coming across as willful cruelness. One of the wonderful things about the books is there was a lot of ambiguity about her actions here. You never really knew if she faked her fall or if it was like a legitimate thing. And I feel like by taking a stance on this, this sh- I think the show has made the plot line less interesting and taken a much harder stance on Elizabeth than is strictly necessary. And that is going to change the way we view some of her later actions. It really damages the character. Yeah, is it me or does Elizabeth look like she's waiting for a scar to materialize on the kid's cheek? I mean, <laughs> she looks like she despises the kid every time she is looking at the child. It's like she's going, oh my god, what have I done? What have I created? You know, that kind of thing. Ew. I tweeted a lot about how she had given birth to the devil's spawn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she was being completely ridiculous. It was too melodramatic. And her actions come across like really crazy paranoid, considering there's a, like nobody can prove the baby isn't George. Why would she have this much of a reaction to it? Um, because she's waiting for a scar to materialize on the kid's cheek. I mean, you know, the the first words, you know, the first words out of her mouth is, "He favors you." <laughs> oh, it's like God. really, honestly, he looks just like you, just like you. <laughs> no one else, no one else. He doesn't look like anybody else. I think by the time Ross was creeping on trend with i was just like this is crazy unnecessary it painted him as an obsessed stalker when he should be in fact at home chilling you know instead of acting like a weirdo like there's so many ways you can show ross being rationally concerned about what's going on with elizabeth without him having to do this this is crazy this reminded me a lot of when he just randomly barged into the house on the night of their sex or like rape depending how you look at it like book ross had boundaries debbie delanda let's get some popcorn i think we're gonna be here a while i do too yeah sorry <laughs> <laughs> that's all right it's okay you're on a roll keep going equally demelza seemed super obsessed with elizabeth and she was yes. overly concerned about what was going on with her how am I, as a viewer, supposed to believe that these two individuals and their marriage has moved past this infidelity when the characters, six or seven months later, are still in this place of constantly talking about her? This is exactly why they should have dealt with the triangle more firmly and fully at the end of season two, because a lot of these scenes felt like a hangover from then. And because there wasn't a resolution then, they're having to like push it on to season three. If Debbie had written a better final, I think there would have been room for setting the tone of the marriage for season three, and it would have felt more natural. Mm-hmm. And finally, not finally, I have two more points. There's a complete <laughs> lack of intimacy between Ross and Demelza in this episode. It honestly felt like they were just going through the motions rather than being in the deep throes of a second honeymoon which I think creates a lot of doubt in the mind of viewers as to why they're even together, really, if neither of them seem that bothered. And the pregnancy announcement. This is the entire crux of my argument, people. It's an example of a warm and funny scene being turned into like this lukewarm puddle of nothing. It was so blah. Where was the emotion? Like, what was the point even? Like, why were we there? (laughs) Why? Why? 
my favorite scene in the entire 12 book series. Gone. Um, I'm so sorry if I mispronounced your name. Um, Evil E.V. Evil E.V. said the beach scene between Ross and Demelza at the end of the episode. This should have been my favorite scene because Ross and Demelza are my OTP. But Debbie ruined the pregnancy announcement. Gah. I don't know why Ross and Demelza were so gloomy in this episode instead of blissful and cute like they were in the Black Moon book. As you all know, Demelza's announcement and Ross's reaction in the book was adorable. This was not. It was really disappointing. Yeah, I was looking forward to this scene as well, but apparently we can have nice things. Oh God, and you've got more. You've got more. Dwight and Caroline are married. <laughs> no reason. <laughs> There's no reason for this. And it hereby ruins huge chunks of the novel. Like, huge. And just ruins the, both of their character arcs. I was really looking forward to seeing some of those scenes coming up. <laughs> They're gone. Mm-hmm. And Ray is dead after two minutes of screen time, which, again, undermines the great importance that storyline was in shaping Caroline's character. But he's dead now, so let's not focus on her. Drake and Sam's decision to move over to Saul is changed for no reason. It doesn't enhance the storyline. They're just going there because Sam wants to gather up souls, apparently. Uh, Apparently. And they even managed to reduce the Jeffrey Charles-George relationship into pure antipathy when I think they started off as somewhat friendly in the books which makes later events less powerful but hey that's just following the general theme of making of taking a multifaceted story and making it one note and predictable can't wait for episode two (laughs) okay well while Rita recovers from her rant uh, let me offer a few thoughts to bring us back from the edge Uh, After hyperventilating about the entire episode and having a chance to talk with my very wise friend Sparks, uh, if you aren't following her on Tumblr, she is uh, a brilliant um, person uh, to uh, this fandom. Uh, Her analysis is spot on, uh, reasonable, rational, and uh, very, very, very well thought out. So um, do try to find her on Tumblr if you're not already following her. Uh, she's also a really great fanfic writer, but, you know, that's another show. Um, but since talking to her, I guess there's a part of me that is willing to give this week's episode a very tentative break. Uh, there are still a few things she brought up that bear consideration and has shifted my thinking from the, holy shit, what the hell have they done to this story, to, all right, I'm going to give you another episode to see if you can dig yourself out of the screwy adaptation hole you dug yourself into on my Poldark Season 3 fields meter <laughs> uh, Some of the things that she talked about were uh, the, that uh, the changes in both characterization of Demelza and the nature of the reconciliation versus sh- uh, a book versus show, uh, that uh, there needed to have some kind of crisis point that, that happened um, versus a slow growing back together. Uh, num- uh, the second point was that there were still a number of loose ends to tie up after season two between both Ross and Demelza, um, you know, which they could have done if they hadn't squandered a lot of time. But, you know, I've already ranted about that before. Um, the bargain Ross makes with George at the end of this episode really came at the end of Warlegan and provided the put your money where your mouth is moment for Ross's promise that Elizabeth would never come between uh, he and Demelza again. Uh, now that he's done it and has offered uh, that to Demelza, 
um, as evidence of his devotion to her. And then given how handholdy they were at the very end of the episode, perhaps next week's episode will give us more of the Romelza moments we've been dying for since the end of series one because we didn't get crap last season, people. Uh, Now that I've been all rational, it's time for me to vent some spleen. Um, I really (laughs) effing hate the fact that there is so much visible speculation about the baby daddy when in the books... No one begins to speculate about it until the end of Black Moon in one of the best effing scenes ever between two characters. Uh, Sparks said that they still could make that happen, but as far as I'm concerned, all of the air has been let out of that balloon. Uh, Ross doesn't even begin to start thinking uh, about the baby possibly being his until the meeting in the graveyard in Four Swans. Demelza never tosses significant glances at him about it until much later in the series. So yeah, turning the pregnancy baby daddy question into what basically amounts to a main plot point in episode 301 makes my eye twitch. Very hard. I mean, how many times did they say something along the lines of, do in a month, uh, for fuck's sake? Clobber us over the head with it, why don't you? Um, finally, when I think of Demelza being worried uh, that Ross is staying busy to keep himself occupied so he doesn't have to think about what happened, let's hearken back to the first thing we hear Demelza say to him when she sees him climbing into the wagon. How's Elizabeth? Well, I know if I transgressed as badly as with Elizabeth as he had done, hearing her name spoken by the woman I told I loved would be something that would set my goddamn teeth on edge. He even asks her, do you want me to be thinking of her? Make up your mind. I'm sorry if that puts Demelza fans' nose out of joint, but I know that this will be a continuing theme that comes up this season, and I'm the only person defending Ross here on our panel. Somebody's got to do it. It's going to be me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) In the end, the fact that the show required three rounds of rewatching tons of analysis and brain gymnastics in order for it to become remotely palatable makes me more than a bit hesitant about the rest of the season. But I'ma keep watching and hope that much of what Sparks said in her brilliant post is realized. Whew. Goodness, I feel better, don't you? <laughs> oh gosh, you guys. Okay. Uh, performance of the week. Um, for me, Gabriella Wilde. Um, I almost got cherry-eyed and uh, I could feel her pain and almost guilt when she was at her uncle's bedside without him knowing that she had just married the man uh, he was completely opposed to. Oh, God, yes. I totally agree with you. Uh, Caroline destroyed me when Ray died. I mean, when he kissed, when he saw the ring and he, you know, said, oh, my dear, and he kissed her hand and then died and she fell apart. Oh, sweet Lord, I was right there with her. Right there with her. My vote goes to Horace, who did a very good, oh, damn, you're leaving without me, advice and just general <laughs> the acting. You go, little dog. Really stole the oh shot. Oh, my God. He is so cute. I love that dog. If we can't I have Garrick in dog. every scene, may we have Horace then? No. I mean, Horace is, Horace is going to wind up, uh, you know, maybe stealing some of Garrick's thunder if, if Garrick isn't, quite, isn't uh, you know, careful about that. Garrick showed up <laughs> briefly, though. I was like, yeah. 
Yeah. Yes. He was busy messing around with the chickens. Which Good I boy. <laughs> okay. So, we've got lots of messages and tweets this week. So, the first one was from an anonymous submitter who said, I really don't get the negative reactions from the book readers and from the 1970s fans from this episode. I liked it a lot. I expected characterization changes based on the fact they didn't show the complete warlike version of their reconciliation. Can you all speak to why our people are upset? I feel like we've addressed why we're upset in significant detail <laughs> earlier, but I will touch on something you mentioned. They didn't show the complete reconciliation at the end of season two, and it's affected the Romelza relationship considerably in this episode. Now, do you think this episode managed to show these two as more reconciled? Because I didn't think it did. All it did was emphasize the problems further for me. Mm -hmm. Another message from another anonymous who says, I was disappointed with the first episode. Lots of unnecessary additions to and changes from the novels, beginning with the ridiculous opening scene, bad editing and directing. The worst thing is that the whole nature of the story and the motivations of many of the characters are distorted or changed from what they are in the books. To call this an adaptation of Graham's Poldark novels would be lying. Maybe inspired by them would be more truthful. I hope Horse Debbie Horsfield has this, the decency to admit that. <laughs> Everybody, flick your bitch! <laughs> <laughs> flicky, 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 flick! <laughs> It's such a bizarre and abrupt change to what I once considered a very good adaptation. <laughs> like, I used to say this was the best book-to-screen adaptation I'd ever seen, and now I'm thinking this was another Outlander situation, which, by the way, is a show I had to quick. <laughs> I was it bad, no resemblance to the book. Oh, you can't leave us! You can't leave us. Hey, I'm sticking around even just to complain. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Chris Valley wrote to us saying, loved the episode, the first episode, fangirling over Demelza mm -hmm. and Caroline's friendship, both of them losing their father and father figures and the juxtaposition of one loving and supportive and the other kind of a dick. Weird that Jeffrey Charles aged like four years, I know, in a few months. But I do love the new actor and the character's very Poldark-esque shade thrown at George. No opinion yet on Morwenna or the Karn Bros. Birth, death, and the wedding of Carolite, all in all, a very satisfying first episode. Uh, you know, it is good to hear that there are folks out there that really enjoyed the episode. Uh, I mean that. Um, I love this story both the books and the shows. Uh, if we didn't, we wouldn't be as passionate about it as we are. And I really hope things wind up shifting into a more positive Romelza direction next week. Yeah, and if we didn't have uh, that many divergent opinions, it wouldn't be as interesting to discuss. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Chris Valley also tweeted, tweeted us, saying that the stars of the episodes were Jeffrey Charles Poldark, Drake Karn, Aunt Agatha, Caroline. I loved it. Mm -hmm. Lots of setup for what's to come in season three. Uh, literally, you just listed everything I hated. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I kind of agree. You hated Carolite? Look, I love Carolite, but I don't like the like having them married this early. The way it was, it was like, handled. Oh, that's cute, ah. but you fucked everything up. Ah, okay, okay. All right. It was poorly handled. 
but I agree with uh, almost all the names you mentioned, uh, Chris. Uh, I enjoy Jeffrey Charles's defiance towards uh, his stepfather, because um, to me it's kind of, it's a way to keep the Pollock flame uh, alive at Trinwith, not only to ensure that the success the succession is assured, but also to honor uh, the memory of his father, which Elizabeth won't do. Um, R.I.P. Uh, Francis. <laughs> R.I.P. Francis. I miss you so much. <laughs> Um, yeah, but, uh, but I also fear that they might portray uh, Jeffrey Charles as the kind of kid, um, sticking his nose where it doesn't actually belong and getting himself into trouble. When clearly, I think there are, other there people, are other people trouble. get into trouble. <laughs> I mean, when I saw him in the mine, I was like, really, Ross? Really? I gotta say, I thought that was kind of cute. <laughs> if you don't think dangerous. about it. <laughs> I know it's dangerous, but I thought it was kind of cute that you know I, Jeffrey I was Charles like, was hanging out with his oh you hanging out with Jeffrey Charles sweet. What about Jeremy? Where was Jeremy? Well, yeah, exactly. Je- Jeremy showed up in one scene uh, for like two seconds uh, in episode one. Spend some time with your kid, Ross. <laughs> um. Well, speaking of Ross and things that are wrong with him, Anonymous asked. What's up with Ross? <laughs> is, he, is he in turmoil over Elizabeth? I thought that ship sailed. Or the baby? Or George? Or all of the above? Why isn't he nicer to Demelza? If he had been married to Elizabeth, would he have been happier with the news of a third child? <laughs> um, no, no, no. I don't think it has anything to do with uh, what if I'd married Elizabeth? Would things have been different? I think it all comes down to Ross dealing with his internal demons, which we saw with yeah. him running away on the beach, his uh, bet on it. I'm not gonna stop, not gonna stop till I get my shot. That's who I am, that is my plan. We'll end up on top, you can. Bet on it, bet on it, bet on it, bet on it, you can. Bet on it, bet on it, bet on it, bet on it. Yeah, I remember when the, the promo was released and everybody was speculating on who he was chasing after, and there were other people speculating speculating and uh, they were right predicting that he was actually probably running away from his internal problems <laughs> girls what do you think i mean i think i think that that you're spot on with uh what you said and i know that uh sparks actually posted a really great post uh earlier today uh that addresses uh that this very specific question on whether or not he is still in love with elizabeth and why he was running on the beach uh, you know, one of the, he, it's it's clear he said it in the the episode um, that everybody has shadows. The trick is to outrun them. And what do we get? We literally get that happening. <laughs> literally, in the yeah, episode, exactly. Uh, that writing where, is terrible. You know, it's like have a metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> Don't show it. Like beat us over the head with the metaphor. Oh my gosh. So, but I, I honestly think that that was precisely what was happening. And and when he falls to his knees, he realizes that he can't run away from them. And so he needs to do uh, what he winds up doing with his bargain with George in order for him to put this behind him and move forward and uh, rebuild his relationship with Demelza. Um, it is literally him putting his money where his mouth is and saying, I am done with Trenwith and everybody that lives there. My focus is on you and our family. And so, you know, honestly, you know, they could have done this shit at the end of season two. I just think in general, 
It was so heavy-handed. Come on, Demi. <laughs> Get your shit together. <laughs> The elegance. I mean, when you think when you think about the the like season one, the elegance of the way the story moved and flowed. Um, we don't have that anymore. You know, like you said earlier, Rita, it's like this choppy, you know, cobbled together thing that is really frustrating for those of us that that love this story so much especially when you consider how winston graham wrote these novels every tiny thread of the plot feeds into each other and gets called back later and when you start messing with those things this early on it's gonna affect almost the entire series going forward and that's why i'm concerned not because i'm like oh things have changed like People are coming for me because I said that things have changed, but they're not understanding the nature of the story, I think. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's it's one of the things that makes uh, a person just kind of wonder over the, the brilliance of this story, um, how intricate the plot is and how forward thinking uh, Graham was as he was writing this book to kind of carry these little pieces of information forward, you know, that, that may have seemed insignificant uh, in uh, the second book, but then wind up manifesting themselves into this, this major thing uh, down the line. And uh, I think that that's, that's, that just worries the hell out of me. But hey, could just be, you know, those of us that, that love the books just need to shut our mouths. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Um, we had uh, one final message from another anonymous who pointed out, Ross certainly isn't acting like Demelza is his true and abiding love in episode one. I saw an interview where Aiden said he thought he was being nice to Demelza in his scenes with Eleanor, but when he watched them, he realized <laughs> that he wasn't very nice at all. Why do you think Debbie is portraying Ross this way? I think we're all just craving to see Ross being loving and affectionate towards Demelza after a series two. Aiden's comment really reminds me of something I've mentioned earlier, which is in the script, the description about Ross's feelings and behaviors are a lot more positive about Demelza than Aiden was necessarily giving as a performer. And I'm wondering if there's just, like, a complete disconnect between what Aiden's trying to do and what's actually happening. The rewatch made me feel like it was really... uh, There was a huge distance between them. They don't feel as warm and as affectionate as they used to. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, You know, and I think one of the things that um, we need to think about when it comes to how the performances are are shown is, you know, when, you know, we keep talking about, you know, Debbie, why did you do this? Debbie, why did you do that? Um, We also have to remember that there are directors that are involved in this, uh, this show. Uh, There are, there are folks that are editing this. And so, you know, there could be uh, changes in the scene direction that uh, the actors are getting um, after uh, you know, while they're shooting, uh, the scripts that we get are able to purchase, 
uh, are the scripts that were submitted to the BBC, not necessarily the actual shooting scripts. So, you know, we, we don't know um, whether or not there have been uh, changes in direction uh, when it comes to how uh, the characters are, are acting. I think, for me, the, the thing is I, I keep hearing the word, he's not being nice. Ross is not being nice. Define nice to me. I mean, I, I, that's what I, I, I don't necessarily struggle over it, but I would like to have someone define for me what would that look like? What does nice look like for Ross Boulder? I think Boulder? what's bothering me most is there's like this lack of like humor in his performance. Like I always felt like Ross is quite sardonic and playful mm -hmm. And there is a complete lack of that. I think he's been quite morose and serious. The thing I liked about this was that Demel's always brought out that side of him, this like playful, mm -hmm. funny, like he was always trying to tease her, and that's just completely gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I hope that we begin to see that in episode two. You know, perhaps, you know, the way that they've wound up uh, putting together episode one, you know, with them on the beach, holding hands, you know, with all of this stuff with trend with behind him, um, that we'll begin to see some of that, uh, return, uh, to their lives. It, it's frustrating for me, um, because it, you know, I'm going to say it, say it again in the books, um, the, they were so together at the beginning of the Black Moon to the point that he's chasing her down the hallway, pinching her butt, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, within, within a month or two after they reconciled at the end of Warlegan. So it's not as if we've had this six months of uh, struggle and ambiguity um, that to me feels very false. And, uh, you know, I get the fact that, you know, in order to make this dramatic and appealing that they needed to stretch out this, this, um, reconciliation, you know, because drama, uh, but it's just frustrating. Um, and I hope and pray we see some of that playfulness and, um, loving relationship uh, in episode two and beyond. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. I really am. I'm trying to remain optimistic. Speaking of episode two, shall we listen to the trailer? Mm -hmm. Let's pretend the trailer clip just happened. Seems a lifetime since I married Dwight. He'll be home again soon. We have an invitation from Sir Francis Bassett. Who's he? What George aspires to be. There are rumors that the merchant ship is the Esmeralda. She appears to be missing. And the travail? Lost off the French coast. Verity, yeah, Verity's back. Verity anxiously Good. awaits word of her husband, who is sailing for Lisbon, when news reaches Trenwith of a naval battle in which both he and Dwight may have been killed. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, when did Blamey get involved in this sea battle? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least wait for next week to start ranting, but... Uh... <laughs> All right, all right, fine. I'm shutting up now. I'll be quiet. I promise. 
Um, meanwhile, Ross is reunited with a disreputable old friend of his father, who tells him that Dwight has been captured and is facing execution in France, prompting him to turn down the position of magistrate. <laughs> okay, shutting up, sorry. So yeah, Dwight might be uh, executed, which prompts Ross to turn down the position of magistrate and sell to the rescue. In the meantime, Drake proposes to Sam that the Methodists can worship at the church, but the decision angers George, of course, who has them driven from the building. Oh wait, that happened. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. That that is <laughs> that is the one thing that actually happens. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. What I will say is I'm excited about the start the start of the Methodist storyline because it's always been interesting. The abrupt nature oh with which God. they've just dumped religion into this story when they've completely ignored it for two seasons is strange. <laughs> and it's gonna feel like, and I think they underplayed the political aspect in the first oh, two God, series. Yes. So it's gonna feel weird when it comes back up this season. Kind of like mm. they didn't you know how um, when Julia's born, there's that huge storm, and he's like, "Oh, it's a sign." Oh yeah. So it, they didn't do that in the show. So then, when this one came with the with the moon, I was just like, "Well, this feels strange." Yeah. I mean, that's me complaining again. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, Hopefully, there will be less complaining next week. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully, please God. Oh, yeah, unfortunately, we have to stop there because I'll be here for days. We've come to the end of this week's <laughs> podcast. Join us again next week for discussions on everything that's wrong with episode two of season three. <laughs> uh, boxes. And everything that's right. And everything that's right. Let's, let's, let's hope it's a big Be optimistic. <laughs> Our Askbox is open at poldarkpodcast.tumblr.com or you can tweet us or DM us on Twitter at poldarkpodcast. Please try to get those questions in as soon as possible after the episode airs and we will see you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Having my baby What a lovely way Of saying how much you love me Having my baby What a lovely way Of saying what you're thinking of me I can see it Your face is glowing I can see it in your eyes I'm happy in that you're having my baby You're the woman I love And I love what it's doing to you and Having my baby You're a woman in love And I love what's going through you The need inside you I see it show